What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison, who is on location in Missouri, Montana. Uh, it's an M, isn't Missouri. it? Yeah, that's what I yeah, thought. It's Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody goes to Montana, unless we have listeners in Montana, in which case we love you. We love Montana, yeah. Make sure you're checking out everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JRCO underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Okay, so few days delay here. Uh, full disclosure, I had recorded a preview episode for the Titans-Bucks game, uploaded it, everything was good to go, and all of a sudden it just flat out disappeared. Uh, and then last night... Uh, David and I had a few uh, snafus and weren't able to record the recap for Monday morning. So here we are, Tuesday morning, and we are going to talk Bucks Titans as the Buccaneers move to two and zero to ear or in the preseason. So begin booking your uh, Super Bowl trips. Get the parade tape out. Yeah, um, you know, undefeated season. Here we come. Uh, but it, yeah. yeah, absolutely. However, uh, having having watched the game, David and I both watched it on delay. Uh, there are a few things. There were some good. There were some bad. And David, I'm going to start off with the bad here. And we're going to talk about the red zone issues. And something that that I noticed when Fitzpatrick was in, you know, and this isn't really a, a slight against Fitzpatrick. He struggled a little bit. Definitely didn't look as good as Jameis or Ryan Griffin. But you know, it is what it is. You know, the the red zone play calling, the red zone inefficiency seems to be popping up a little bit again. You know, there was there was one play I noticed where, yeah, and I forgot to write down what yard line they were on, but they had trips to the right and one-on-one on the left side and fits through to the one-on-one coverage on the left side but he threw it short of the end zone. He threw it short of the first down marker and it was on third down. Like it was just, it it was a poor decision. It was a poor play call. It was just poor all around. And and of course the Bucs had to settle for a field goal, but you know, these are the kind of issues that we saw last season where the Bucs could move the ball at will up and down the field until they got in the red zone. And then it was, if it wasn't poor play calling, it was poor execution. If it wasn't poor execution, it was a poor decision on Jameis or Fitzpatrick's part. If it wasn't a poor decision, it was a penalty, which we'll get into in a little bit. I mean, this stuff has to get fixed before the season starts, especially with Fitzpatrick under center. Or You, know, you have to capitalize on what opportunities you get because you don't have a quarterback under center that you're confident can keep you in the game. You know, if things start to get away and they miss opportunities, I don't have the confidence that Fitzpatrick can lead a two or a three score comeback. You know, I don't think he has that in him. You know, of course he's done it a few times, but he's been playing in the league for 74 years. So when they get these (laughs) opportunities to march into the red zone Fitzpatrick has to deliver. You have to make the smart decisions. You have to call smart plays. And although the play calling overall has been much better, in my opinion, with Munkin, I don't think Munkin – I still stand firm that, that Munkin is not going to call the plays in the regular season. You know, this is something they can't have happen again. 
Yeah, no, and you know, uh, looking looking at it from a from a whole perspective, right? So, I wrote something today that's going to go up on Bucks Nation either tomorrow or Wednesday. You know, whenever whenever it goes up here in the next couple of days. Um, that when you when you look at the team in it, through the lens of it's the second preseason game, the team in general didn't do poorly, right? But then I kind of think of it and I kind of look at it and it's like it's like your drunk uncle right? And the second preseason game is like your drunk uncle getting drunk at your cousin's wedding and making a fool out of himself. It's okay because of the setting, but he's still your drunk uncle, so it's still part of you gets nervous. He's like, man, it's the same old unk, and here we go again, and it's going to be the same in a situation in the future where we don't need it to happen. So, you know, it's kind of a a, a double-sided coin there where it's a second preseason game, so, you know, I don't want to get too wrapped around the axle about it. But at the same time, like you said, these are issues we've seen before, and they're not okay in the situations that are about to come up in just a few weeks. So you want to see that improvement coming. So it's a little disheartening, you know, obviously, uh, coming from that standpoint. Yeah, and, and David, before we move on, I do want to mention – um, you know, we appreciate all of our listeners that go and read our stuff over at BucksNation.com. But we also know and we're fully aware of the fact that you don't only get your Buccaneers information from us. There are other outlets you go to. There's, of course, Stroud over at the Times. There's the guys at Pewter Report, Pewter Plank. Yeah, there's there's a ton of outlets, either written or podcasts that you guys get your information from. But one of the best in the business right now are our friends over at The Athletic. And we are offering a special deal for our listeners to go over and join theathletic.com. If you visit theathletic.com forward slash locked on bucks, you are going to be able to get a full year subscription for $2.99 a month. That's only that that is 40% off of their regular price for our listeners. The Athletic is a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The Athletic's model is simple. There's no ads, there's no pop-ups, and there's no autoplay videos. And I know that's a big selling point for a lot of people. People get annoyed from those pop-up ads and these videos that start playing, and you're trying to read something, you've got somebody's voice in, in your ear, and it, it gets on their nerves. They don't, they don't do that. They don't have the pop-up videos. They don't have the pop-up ads, none of that. Instead, the readers subscribe for authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know their teams inside and out. Coverage will go beyond game recaps and trade speculations to provide smarter analysis and a deeper perspective about teams and the league. Subscribers have access to local and national content with more than 650 to 700 new stories published every week across all sports. You're a hockey fan. You can you can follow Joe Smith covering the Bolts. You know you have Rays coverage, you have Buccaneers coverage. If you're not a fan of of all the local teams, there's coverage across the board. You have Ken Rosenthal doing National Major League Baseball coverage for the Athletic, just absolutely crushing it. It is rapidly becoming one of the biggest and best sports outlets for fans to follow their teams. Make sure that you subscribe and be part of the future of sports journalism. And again, that's theathletic.com forward slash locked on bucks, and you will get 40% off of a one-year subscription paying only $2.99 a month. So big shout out to our friends over at The Athletic. 
and friend of the show, former host of the show, Greg Allman, is going to be the one bringing you your Bucks coverage from The Athletic. We're really excited for him, happy for him for that opportunity. I know he's going to go over there and crush it. David, we talked about some of the bad. Now we're going to talk about some of the good before we end with a little bit more of the bad. And one of the things that popped out to me was I was really, really liking the Deshaun Jackson utilization in this game. Yes, there were the deep balls to Deshaun Jackson. That's going to be part of the game. Jameis completed a beautiful one to him. You know, he didn't have to slow down for it at all. He just happened to be going up against someone who was, you know, hot on his tail and and tackled him in, in open field. Fitzpatrick missed him early in the game. You know, had him wide open. He was two steps ahead of, of two different defenders. Had to slow down, adjust his body for the ball. By then, both defenders had converged on him, were able to make a play on the ball. But that wasn't just it. They were getting him the ball on these short crossing routes, these slants, getting the ball in space. It wasn't just go route, go route, go route all the time. And that's what you and I were pounding the table for last year is to get Deshaun the ball in space. It doesn't always have to be the 60-yard bomb. It can be the five-yard slant that he can then take 15, 20, 30, 50, 90 yards. That's just, that's how he plays the game. That's the makeup. That's why you sign Deshaun Jackson. So, I mean, is that is that something that we can look at in preseason and start to get a little more excited about that they're going to implement that a little bit more? Or do you think they're just teasing us and then come the regular season, it's going to be constant go routes all the time and we're just going to get frustrated and, and throw our hands up in the air again? Oh, well, I really hope not. But this is kind of where, you know, you mentioned earlier with, with uh, Monkin calling the plays and whether or not he will in the regular season. And whether he does or not in the regular season, I really hope that this is a new wrinkle that they keep obviously because it's obviously obviously successful right and and you look at you look at that deep pass from Jameis you know to Deshaun uh later in the game and I mean it, it's hard to draw you know 100% clear direct parallels between you know multiple plays but at the end of the day I mean it's football 101 if you've got a cornerback getting beat on short routes getting beat on quick routes getting beat on hot reads by the same receiver over and over again these guys are competitors. Like you can't play in the NFL for an extended period of time unless you hate losing. And every snap is an opportunity to win or lose. So as a cornerback, if you're just constantly getting beat by this guy, if he's constantly catching the ball in front of your face and running downfield and making plays and gaining even five to eight yards on a route, that's still a win for your opponent and it's going to kill you. So eventually what you're going to do is you're going to start playing more aggressive. You're going to start playing tighter. You're going to start trying to read and react to those shorter routes a little bit faster than you probably should. And eventually human nature is going to get the better of you and your competitive nature is going to get the better of you. And he's going to get behind you. And that's exactly what can happen. Uh, So like you said, I mean, we were pounding the table last year for it because time after time we see this team try to go deep to Deshaun and he's got bracket coverage on him. He's got a guy under him. He's got a guy over him. Deshaun is not a tall dude. Deshaun is not a high point guy. He's not going to go up and make the one-handed Odell Beckham grab. It's just not his game. You got to get it to where the defense has to respect his speed and you have to get it to where you can take advantage of that speed. And you do that by setting up the short game in order to entice those defensive backs to come up. You wait for that one, that uh, cover one with the safety over the top. You get them to one side of the field with your, with your eyes, and you take advantage. And that's exactly what happened yesterday – or not yesterday, sorry, on uh, Saturday. So hopefully that's exactly what we'll see in the regular season is more of that kind of stuff. The thing that worries me is, again, if it goes back to Coach Cutter calling the plays, is he going to slip back into his old habits and, and trying to just push 
Deshaun Jackson down the field, trying to push the ball down the field almost obsessively, one. And two, and I think we're, we're about to talk about this, if some of these defensive problems can't get fixed, are the Buccaneers going to be in the game enough to feel comfortable going with the short game to set up the long game? Yeah, well, and, you know, I I really hope that they, they learn from their mistakes last year. Like you said, you know, is this going to be a matter of Cutter slipping back into his old ways and wanting to just focus strictly on those explosive plays with Deshaun Jackson, whereas – you know, as we've said, getting him that ball in space, those short, quick passes can turn into explosives because Deshaun's just an explosive player. But the last thing that I want to touch on before we get out of here is it's not going to matter at the end of the day how explosive of a player Deshaun Jackson is, how many explosive plays this offense has, whether it's Godwin or Deshaun or, or Mike Evans or Ronald Jones, if he can get you know, going at all. If the Bucks keep shooting themselves in the foot with all these penalties, the, the Bucks had a golden opportunity in the second quarter. They were marching down the field with ease as they always do. And they get hit with five penalties on one drive. They have to settle for a field goal, which to the credit of can't kick and Zaro, he, he nailed two 40 plus yarders on Saturday but they had a six-play drive that had five penalties. You can't have that. You absolutely cannot have that, and it took away a touchdown opportunity for them. You know, it was just one thing after another. I think it was three consecutive penalties. They went from second and one to third and 18 because of penalties. You can't have it. They have got to get it cleaned up. And I know people will point to it and say, that's the sign of an undisciplined team. And I don't know if that's the case or if it's just these these mental errors. They're still guys trying to gel with one another. It's a mixture of ones and twos. It's preseason. You got to work out all the kinks and all that. But, you know, it looks like they're developing these these habits they're continuing these bad habits from last season where they just keep shooting themselves in the foot over and over and over and it's going to cost them games just like it did last year just like it did in 2016 and it could potentially cost them a playoff spot if they can you know come out of the gate and at least tread water until Jameis comes back but I mean it's got to get cleaned up yeah no it definitely does I mean you can't you can't be a team in the situation the Buccaneers are in and defeat yourself. Like teams in the NFL are too good at beating you by themselves without you giving them more and more opportunities. And, and, and I remember thinking, I can't remember his name. I had it written down. I don't have it in front of me, but I want to say he was, his number is 60. He was playing right tackle. He came in uh, at some point in the first half. And if I remember correctly in the first half, the kid had three penalties against just him, just, just him alone um, in, in crucial situations. Uh, I want to say he's the one who got the holding penalty on that first touchdown pass that Jameis had thrown that obviously got called back. Um, and I just kept – I mean, he, he just got beat over and over again. And, you know, um, Alex Kappa struggled a little bit, uh, you know, against, against the Titans. And, I mean, I, just, I don't know if maybe that was a situation where – I don't know if somebody was banged up. I don't know if there was someone – you know, it's preseason. So, if someone comes out with a little bit of a twisted ankle, uh, you know, you're usually going to sit him for the rest of the night and, and put somebody else in. I don't know if that's the situation or if it was a situation where – you know, maybe this guy just hasn't been kind of 
showing what they need him to show in camp. So they're they're kind of putting him out there to see if he's a he's a game guy, not a practice guy. I don't know what it was, but he was getting just murdered out there. And you know, I kept yelling at my my iPad screen as I was watching the game to get him out of the game. Uh, you know, no disrespect to him. I'm sure he's he's been working hard to chase his dream, and I support anybody chasing their dreams. But the dude just wasn't getting it done. Um, I wish I could remember his name. I cannot remember his name to save my life, but. That's exactly the kind of stuff that, you know, this team can't have. And I know at one point the, the Titans actually had more penalties for more penalty yards and all that, but that's not – you can't sit here as an NFL franchise and rely on the other team to have just as many penalties or just as many yards. And another side of me kind of hopes and, and thinks that maybe, you know, it's preseason. These referees are kind of – you know, it's their preseason too. So maybe they're, they're a little bit overly strict on some things that the NFL told them to focus on. And, you know, after this game, the NFL will go back and be like, all right, hey, guys, you know, as a crew, maybe this isn't a penalty in a real game. Maybe this also you can let slide in a real game, you know. But even if that's the case, uh, that kid alone, like the, the penalties that I saw him get called for, even in a regular season game, you're calling those. You have to. You can't, as, a, as an official on the field of play, you cannot let what he was doing uh, to some of those defenders slide and keep, keep your job, you know. And, and the reason he was doing it, he was just getting beat. And he was getting beat on the edge. He was getting beat uh, man-to-man, like, you know, with a bull rush. He was getting beat on the inside. I mean, I don't know if his nerves. You know, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to, like, single-handedly end this dude's dream. But, yeah, it was it was, it was rough. Um, but he wasn't the only one. You know, like you said, there were a lot of penalties out there on a lot of different guys. Um, so, definitely something that's got to get fixed in the future. Hopefully that's going to be kind of an emphasis in camp, uh, you know, this coming week and, and, and going up against uh, the Lions right next week. You know, hopefully we see uh, a marked improvement in that area. All right. Well, David, I think that's going to kind of do it for our quote unquote wrap up episode. I know, again, apologies to our listeners that it's a few days late, but we're going to be back tomorrow with another episode. And David, I think it's about time that you and I have a uh, very serious conversation about our boy Ronald Jones, because things are are not looking pretty. And, you know, we I think we need to discuss the the future of the running game that so many were so excited about uh, heading into the season. But until then, make sure that you're checking out everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure that you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayArco underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for joining us right here at LockedOnBucks.